1: Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage.
2: No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com/specialoffer.
3: All lowercase. That's shopify.com/specialoffer.
4: Hi, Milton what's happening um i'm gonna have to ask you to go ahead and move your desk again so
0: if you could go ahead and get it as far back against that wall as possible that would be
4: great no no because no
3: room
0: so if you could just get to that as soon
3: as possible that would be terrific okay i could set the building on fire
1: Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Normally, I'd be ecstatic about it being Friday, but I totally forgot that because she beat me at poker on Tuesday night, I got to paint Joe's mom's kitchen today. Damn it, those pocket aces seemed unbeatable at the time. That it's you know it's gonna be better for you than me because Joy and Joe on the roundtable this week are three people you might recognize. From the award-winning podcast Afford Anything, it's Paula Pant. Also, joining us today from LenPenzo.com, it's I don't have it in me today, people. It's it's Len Penzo, get over it. And rounding out the magnificent trio, please welcome the author of Control Your Cash. It's Greg McFarland. God, that guy's a pebble in my shoe. On our FinTech segment, here's something cool. How about a free online money game that'll introduce you to money skills? Joining us from the American Institute of CPAs to talk about it, please welcome Neil Stern. And now, here he is, Joe Saul
0: Hey, and welcome back to another Friday. I am Joe Saul High, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And what a great way to start your weekend with us, with the Stacky Benjamin Show. And we've got a big roundtable coming up today. But first, what we've got is a way for you, if you're the average person, to put an extra $450 in your pocket. How does that sound? If you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money, Guess what happens? You'll find yourself skipping all the way to the bank with another $450. And why? Because that checking account you have might have higher fees than you'd like. That savings account, not earning anywhere near what it should be earning. Those credit cards in your wallet, probably not getting the rewards. Or, if you don't pay them off every month, which you should, and you're trying to pay down your debt, you can pay it down faster, with lower interest rates, stackybedjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Everything there, by the way, from car loans to student loan refinancing, you name it, they've got it. Also a fantastic blog led by uh, Mandy Woodruff from the Brown Ambition podcast. She is their editor in chief at magnify money. They do a lot of good work there too. All right. We've got a great show, fantastic fintech segment with our new friend, Neil Stern, a free game you can play online, uh, but we'll tell you all about that in the middle of the show. So let's get this party started. All right, let's walk across the room here and dust off my dad's shortwave. See if we can get the, hopefully, the regular crew back. Let's start off in Las Vegas, where I believe Mr. Greg McFarlane is standing by
4: temporarily i'm thinking about moving possibly to richmond texas Checking out this beautiful little five bed six bath number it's this beautiful
0: house full of mannequins it uh yeah do you think this house is haunted greg uh
4: if not it will be soon enough
0: (laughs) people have no idea what we're we're talking about there's a house for sale one and a quarter million dollars how long has it been greg since this house has changed
4: prices it's gone up a total of 16, uh, basically 1% in the last three years.
0: And uh, there are mannequins all over the house. The people are hoarders. They have mannequins on the ceiling, mannequins on, and just junk. They're, they're just as junk all over the place. But it could be yours for one and a quarter, Greg. You will just write a check, right?
4: Possibly, except I noticed that the neighbors' houses are barely 60% of that. Right. Yeah. You on bigger
0: lots. You don't want to be king of your neighborhood in this place. But, hey, you'll have a bunch of mannequin friends. This is the creepiest house ever. We'll put we'll post a link in our show notes so that everybody knows what the heck we're talking about. And the guy that could write a check, but it would be in Gold Leaf in Los Angeles, California, it's Len Penzo. <laughs> Joe, how are you? I'm good. Do you love this house? Oh, my God. Let me tell you something. It's cluttered, but it's a
2: big, beautiful house. But, I mean, I think what $1.2 million will buy you in Southern California and it's, it's basically a, a bathroom and a, a very small bedroom. And and I'm exaggerating, of course, but not a lot. So it just goes to show you how much bang for the buck you can get in Texas, which is probably why you're there, right, Joe? That, that's
0: exactly why I'm here. The Texarkana Smart is guy. the. Yes. You get a lot of house, it's an up and coming community. So that's <laughs> exactly, we call it Silicon Valley Southeast. Yeah, and we're gonna head back, Len, to Las Vegas, where I think Paula Pant just returned from Portland, Oregon.
3: Yes, that is true. I returned from Portland, Oregon, and now looking at these pictures of this house, I'm considering just having a mannequin sit in for me. (laughs) Perfect. When I either when I record the this podcast or when I go to conferences, possibly both. I wonder how many people would notice. (laughs) Well, if if I could. Get the mannequin to speak convincingly enough. You know, I wouldn't even actually have to have a physical presence. I could just have a, a voice recorder box. I think this is the weirdest open we've had ever because we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about a house on Zillow
0: that nobody knows what we're talking about. So let's move. Let's let's get this thing rolling. Our first piece today that we're going to discuss comes to us from MarketWatch.com. Uh, this is uh, written by Emily Starbuck Crone. 25 things first time homebuyers need to do. And and Paula, when you think about things first time homebuyers really, really need to know, what do you think is number one on that list?
3: Honestly, for a first time homebuyer, I would say think of when you're planning, uh, when you're budgeting for the house, when you're when you're making a plan for how much money you can spend. Overestimate the repairs and maintenance because, as a first time home buyer in particular, if you have no experience doing your own yard work or uh, having to pay for plumbing when the toilet breaks, uh, it can cost you a lot more than you anticipate. So, buy less house than you need uh, so that you have room in your budget for that. Yeah, I remember
0: my first house, the people at Home Depot knew me by, but we were on a first name basis. They were my BFFs.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're definitely for the first couple of years, I was like, you know what? Why do my clients even bother to send me paychecks? They should just skip the middleman and send it to Home Depot directly.
0: <laughs> Greg, how, how about uh, number 16 on this list? Pick the right neighborhood.
4: I'm just fascinated that the author's name is Emily Starbuck Crone. If you're last if you're a woman, maybe not so much if you're a guy. If you're a woman and your last name is Crone, you might want to change it. Just go with Starbuck. Well, I'm looking at her biography. Emily Starbuck Crone, formerly Gerson. She changed it to Crone. That is <laughs> astonishing.
0: So so what about this idea of the right neighborhood? You think first-time home buyers that that's super important?
4: Well, it depends what your comfort level is and whether, whether you're really young and have made this your life's work and want to get into a house as soon as possible. You might have a, uh, you might have a little more leeway for who you're willing to have as your neighbors, as opposed to when you get older, as far as the most important things for a first time home buyer to know, well, the first thing you should do is start an emergency fund, but <laughs> thank you. But seriously, folks, get a home warranty. Oh, my God, get a home warranty. In a similar vein by pet insurance, too, but I digress. I don't care how new your house is, how many mannequins you have walking on the ceiling. Something is going to break down. My own home warranty has saved me thousands on everything from a well pump to a busted air conditioning compressor all for the price of an $80 service call. And if you're nodding your head and saying, yeah, I got that covered, no, this is not to be confused with homeowners insurance. They are vastly different things. Homeowners insurance covers the structure itself and not much else. Fires, tornadoes, that kind of thing. For most of us, that isn't an issue. But appliances breaking down is.
0: Yeah, I think that's fantastic advice. And also, if you can get the seller when you're buying the house to throw that in, often that's something that they will quickly do.
4: Absolutely. If they if they want to make the sale quickly, yeah. yeah and yeah. if can, can I go off on buyer seller relations, or do you want to get back to me? <laughs> no, go ahead. Let's do it. <laughs> well, I, I'm looking at Miss Crone's other suggestions here. The like the tip about the personalized letter to kiss the seller's ass. That's moronic. It'll be insincere, and no seller will take it seriously. Besides, that's why you hire an agent to act as your agent, your go-between. You and the other party have no reason to meet, which brings up another point. Do not use a double agent, somebody who represents both you and the seller, which is legal if they disclose it. Now, in some small towns, it's unavoidable, but in big cities, you don't need to. I recently had a large transaction with a double agent and it was a giant hassle because she will want one party to go more than halfway just to get a deal done and get her 6%. And in my case, that party was me, and I was outraged. I told her to go to hell. I threatened to get another agent. And then, hey, what do you know? A couple of days later, the buyer decided that she would kick in an extra fifty grand.
0: Huh? That's weird. Yeah. Well, and her number twenty-three on here is to negotiate. And I think, I think a better tip for a first-time homebuyer, Greg, just sticking with you, is don't rely on your agent to want to negotiate. Your agent's not going to want to negotiate. I mean, the mo- the amount of money they make. By saving you or lose the time value money for them is just to get the deal done quickly,
4: exactly. And tips 21, 22, and 23 make a strong offer, avoid a bidding war, and negotiate they seem to contradict each other,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. didn't think about that.
4: Of yeah, the, 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 ol- the only other real tip that I have that Miss Starbucks Crone didn't get to that isn't obvious. And that isn't already mentioned is like any other financial transaction. Use your brain, not your heart. The moment you think, Oh my God, I got to have that house. Money is no object. I don't care how much it costs back the hell up. There are millions of houses. You can find another one that might be a little more economically appropriate for you.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's good advice. Len, when you bought your first house, what's a thing you wish you would have known?
2: Well, there's two things. I think there's, there's two mistakes that I made when we bought our last house. And, um, I wouldn't say it's well. Actually, it's not a mistake, but yeah, I guess it's just an overlook. The first one was I really underestimated how much money I was going to have to spend after the house closed, <laughs> so I didn't set enough money aside for the move-in. One of the most important things too is the window coverings. I mean, it's almost like, well, at least I forgot. It's like yes, you know, unless you want people looking in at you. Uh, all day long. Uh, Window coverings can be expensive. So that's something you have to you have to set aside for. Here's another one, though. This is probably the most important one. And this was a really dumb move on on my part. But we were so anxious, me and the honeybee, when we moved in for her to be a stay at home mom. I had her quit her job and then we looked for the house. I should have had her continue working so we could have afforded more house. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, that turned out to be you know, I could have had a bigger house, but we didn't. And it cost, I'd say, you know, probably uh 15 percent more house I could have got if, if she'd
0: have stayed employed. Wow. So
2: yeah. So that's probably the two biggest that I can think of. Living
0: on the neighborhood but, Joe. But to, but you also, Len, I mean, you couple that with what you're trying to do in your family, right? I mean, you could add a bigger house, but when you look at the family dynamic, I mean the things that you and the honeybee do, you know, maybe that sacrifice was worth it.
2: Oh yeah, well, in the end, it all worked out. Sure, but uh, yeah, it's just something to think about uh, if you're really looking to stretch your budget and get into the biggest house possible. Yeah, what about the neighborhood state? Yeah, the neighborhood. The, it's just an old saying, and it's it's a, and you've probably heard it before, but it's true. Buy the cheapest home you can afford in the most expensive neighborhood you can
0: afford. Yeah, if you're.
2: Never buy the most expensive home in the most expensive neighborhood. Buy the cheapest
0: home. Yep, yeah, yeah, great advice. Uh, Paula, where do you stand on things like when we talk about the mortgage, 30-year versus 15 and avoiding uh, PMI?
3: Well, I think that you should be able to make the payments if it were a 15-year. Now, there is an argument for why you might want to get a 30-year mortgage, but as a litmus test to see whether or not you can afford this house – you should be able to afford it if you were hypothetically getting it as a 15-year. Yep. Reasons that you might want to get it as a 30-year instead of a 15 include, number one, if your interest rate is low enough, then there's an argument to be made that you should you might be a better idea to invest that money rather than pay off, uh, accelerate your mortgage. Right. Uh, and number two, you can always get a 30-year and pay it as though it's a 15. And that gives you flexibility.
0: Yeah, well, and I absolutely love that. But I like paying the extra into an S&P 500 fund. Right. If I pay the extra into that mutual fund, then I have the money available, you know, if I if I want to pay it even earlier. And, it, you know, and historically, over most time frames, it's grown more quickly that way than the interest rate that I'm paying on the mortgage. Uh, Greg, PMI, what do you think about avoiding PMI? Go ahead and buy the house when you're ready and suck up the PMI for a while or, or wait till you have a big enough down payment.
4: Again, you have to look at opportunity cost here and how much do I want to pay on rent? in the time it will take me to build up enough of a a down payment that I won't have to pay PMI. So it's not that I can't give a definitive answer here. It's that every case is different. You need to sit down with a calculator and figure out how much you're willing to forego in rent and how badly you want to get into that house.
0: Yeah, good stuff. I think we're going to leave it right there. Let's move on to our second piece, which comes to us from CNBC, the PERC company should be offering employees help with housing. This is commentary from Jeremy Wisen, retired professor at NYU Stern School of Business. Len, let's start with you, since you're the one guy on our group who's, who's working for the man, right? That's th- th- right. This idea of giving people help with housing, are you, are you down with that? Do you think that that's going to lure more people to want to work for a company?
2: Hey, why? You know what? I, I think it depending on where you live, I think so, especially in Silicon Valley. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing. Did you see the thing in San Francisco that they're making? You can make a, a couple earning one hundred and thirty eight thousand dollars is now going to qualify for affordable housing. Wow. Yeah. Hundred and thirty eight thousand. So sometimes prices are just they're just getting out of reach. Hey, if a company can offer housing to get the talent they need, I am why not? You know, it's just like in the old days, I'm, we're kind of going back to the egg, right? Back in the old days of the uh, robber barons and the big old steel and railroad companies and coal companies, they provided housing for their uh,
3: for their employees. So, uh, yeah, if that's making a comeback, why not? Yeah, Paula? Sure, I mean, I don't think it should be mandatory by any stretch of the imagination, but in terms of a voluntary perk that some companies might choose to offer, hey, yeah, if they can offer some uh, assistance with with a down payment or with a loan. I think that's fantastic.
0: Greg, if we're looking at perks, though, that companies don't offer something like this, a lot of companies don't offer student loan repayment, you know, and that's one that you're starting to see some companies do. What would be the perk you think that would lure the most people besides like Uh, uh, open bar?
4: (laughs) I've actually got a long answer to this, but uh, two schools of thought on this issue. You give an employer your time and expertise in exchange for compensation, which typically means money. However, every employer at least in our culture, sweetens the pot by offering health care and other perks. But understand, they don't offer you anything, snacks in the break room, covered parking, whatever, to be nice. They do it for two reasons. Number one, to be competitive. If identical employers make identical offers to you, the one that will pay for your health insurance, the other one isn't going to find any takers. And the other reason is that perks are relatively inexpensive. uh, Economies of scale, for instance, with health insurance, the big one, it's cheaper per person for your employer to buy it for you and your coworkers than to buy your own. But when employers start buying houses for employees, uh, this is getting real close to the people who constructed Hoover Dam, lived in tents, that can only purchase groceries with company scrip in the company store. <laughs> Do you really want to be beholden to your employer as a mortgage? This is called feudalism. I thought we gave it up 700 years ago. I kind
0: of of thought so too. What about my, you know, if my neighbor's the guy I hate that's at work, like I got to sit next to Bob all day and then I come home and he's
4: my damn neighbor. If there are people who don't want to quit their jobs now because they have too much locked into their pensions, imagine a world where you have to stay at a job that you hate because otherwise you'll lose your house. This is a Bruce Springsteen song waiting to happen.
0: Well, that's what I was thinking. What, What happens if 2007, 2008 happens again and my house is underwater?
4: Oh, my God. But in in response to your question, if I had a lot of employees under my jurisdiction, uh, what perk would I offer them? Well, okay, you want to make them as productive as possible. I can buy them gym memberships, but I can't force them to go. The one thing that works beautifully and it costs the company literally not a dime is psychological perks. I had an employer once who seriously tried to offer me with a lowball contract an adjective as a perk. They couldn't offer me any more money, see, but they could put the word senior in front of my job title. (laughs) And they were 100% serious, and other employees accepted this and wore it with pride. There is a reason why one of my clients, MGM Resorts International, has 75 executive vice presidents and assistant vice presidents. And I remain flabbergasted to this day at how employees will get excited over a perk that means literally nothing, an extra word on the business card, but it works. And it's amazing how well it works. So yeah. Fancy titles for all and to all a good night,
0: Greg. So what you're saying is me making you executive vice president of this round table is you're not buying it. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, th- this round table on the other hand. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I would take that for, you wouldn't even have to increase my salary, Joe.
0: Len, you're not assistant manager. You're assistant to the manager. <laughs> Hey, let me tell you. Greg's right about the the term
2: "senior." Another term is "principal." Principal, oh yeah, at least in the engineering field, a principal engineer for blah blah blah, or the senior principal engineer for. I'm seeing engineers out there, senior principal engineers, senior engineer. They're not even out of their twenties, and I'm like. How, how the heck are you a senior, you know, you can't even take it seriously. Christ. It's like you have any, you're have you still wet behind the ears and you've you got this card that says you're a senior principal engineer. It's like it's just it's you're right, Greg. It's a total it's a total joke. You know, there are some things, though, that aren't financially perks that I would like more related to quality of life the ability to work from home is, is a big one. Mm-hmm. And also giving, for example, the ability to go on a sabbatical where you can go away for six months or a year. Not that I'm going to do that, but people do look for that. Sure. But they can go off, do something and come back without any penalty to their, to their years of service.
0: What about this trend of companies starting to help people with their student loans, Len?
2: I think that's fantastic. I mean,
0: boy, is that, to me, that is a huge
2: perk. Why? Because student loans are not dischargeable in bankruptcy. So uh, if they're willing to help you pay that, pay that down, boy, oh boy, that to me, that is a huge perk.
0: Paula, we're naming you queen of this podcast now. You can put it on your Stacking Benjamins business card.
3: (laughs) Ooh, well, in addition to queen, I also want uh, prime minister, president, and CEO. You got it. Whatever it takes. I think it's interesting about a lot of these perks that we're talking about is if the company were to figure out what the monetary value of those perks were and offer that amount to the employee as a raise or as a bonus, I don't know if psychologically it would go as far. So for example, I agree. if the company offers a credit that can be applied towards $5,000 of your student loan balance, if you stay with the company for at least two years, uh, I think that psychologically that goes a lot further than the company just raising your salary by $2,500 a year for the next two years.
0: I totally agree. It's funny, Cheryl's company has been going the opposite way Uh, The company that she works for—they've—they've gotten rid of a bunch of perks. I mean, and and as an example, they got rid of the Christmas party. Even saying that, well, you know, we're paying for the Christmas party, so if we get rid of that, that's going to be an extra, (laughs) yes, an extra hundred bucks in everybody's paycheck. And it's funny they all voted that. But you think about new, new hires, new hires. I don't, I don't think people do a good job with that math, Paula. You know what I mean? They look at the perks and they think the company cares about me because they're giving me these perks. If it versus a paycheck that's marginally bigger. Like it yep. seems like people oh, would yes. rather have the company car than have the money for the company car.
3: Exactly. Absolutely. And I have this conversation all the time in the opposite direction with people who are deliberating whether or not to quit their job to go full-time freelance or to be full-time self-employed. You know, they'll say, well, I make X amount, but I also get these perks. How could I ever give them up? Right. And my response is always, all right, well, calculate what the monetary value of those perks are, add that to what you're making, and then ask yourself if you could reasonably make that much or more if you were self-employed. Len." Um, the, the, and everybody's shocked when I say it.
0: Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like pay, attention, pay attention to your benefits. Yeah. And Len, you're a guy that has a, a benefits package. Are there some benefits that you have with your company that you're surprised by?
2: Benefits that I have that I'm surprised by. Um, no, the, you know, it's pretty standard stuff. Like Cheryl, Joe, we've been actually losing benefits. So, um, and the Christmas party for us went away a decade ago. It started with a full out Christmas party, you know, where you, you had it at a hotel uh, and you could bring the bring the wife at night fully paid for. And then it went to a uh, a thirty five dollar allocation for a lunch with your workmates. And uh, now it's nothing. Absolutely
0: nothing. Well, they started off by making it suck first because of lunch. With, <laughs> lunch. Hey, guess what you get, Greg? Lunch with the boss. Boy, that would be <laughs> somebody pinch me.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I am very thankful for our health insurance. So I think, we, you know, when you work for a large company, they generally have very good health insurance.
0: I like when companies offer legal.
2: Wow, that's yeah, that's cool.
0: You know, back when I was a financial planner seeing people and they could get their wills done for free, you know, if you have to su- sue your neighbor because they have all these mannequins in their house um, <laughs> and they're creeping you out.
2: <laughs> you know, my company is, I think we talked about this in another podcast, my company is now offering management of course, you have to pay a fee, but they're offering management of your 401k. Oh, yeah. So and, and yeah. the people of my work are so far. They're just raving about it.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's pretty wild. Hey, got to take a quick break from this awesome discussion with Paula, Len and Greg to say a big thanks to everybody who's used our link. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Amazon. When you go to Amazon.com, you know what you find? is that if you have just a few keystrokes extra, just put in stackybenjamins.com forward slash Amazon, you'll find you're right at Amazon, and they send us a little thank you for you putting in those few extra keystrokes. Helps the show, and you still get the same great Amazon deals when you go there. All right, I was so excited when I heard about this game because I think there aren't enough tools out there that make finance fun. And I know our friend Paul Vasey has his Cash Crunch game i i really like what our friend uh, shannon ryan over at the heavy purse does shoot even bill dwight and fam zoo even though that's not meant to be quote fun it certainly gives kids a lot of lessons that they can learn about money in i think a little more fun setting than just what most parents do so i like all those things so when i saw this uh something that is for adults a game that's for adults and ostensibly could be for kids too i really thought that we had to talk to neil so let's find out more about this game with Neil Stern. And CPA and member of the American Institute of CPAs, National CPA Financial Literacy Commission, Neil Stern joins us. Welcome to the basement, man. Have a seat. How are you? (laughs)
5: Thank you, Joe. I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Well, I'm great. And I love this idea of gamifying personal finance because so many people are afraid of it. Why did you guys decide to come up with a game to help millennials learn about money?
5: Well, the game's intended to help today's young adults make better decisions now that can positively impact their quality of life for years and decades to come. Young adults in their 20s and 30s face so many decisions that can have a significant impact on their financial future. That's when they're developing their spending and savings habits. And the choices they make are on subjects like education, where to live, how to develop their careers, getting married, how to spend their free time. Uh, We know that one in three millennials rank savings as their number one goal. But a majority of them actually aren't saving, and you ask them why, and they attribute their lack of savings to things like impulse buying, not establishing a personal budget. We're hearing that savings feels impossible, overwhelming, and something that you can put off because nobody's doing it. So with the ever-changing landscape, you know, building a solid future is more important than ever. But why a game? Well. A majority of 18 to 34-year-olds play video games at least three times a week. They tell us that they feel games are an important tool in helping them learn to solve problems and create winning strategies. So the idea of a game that would be fun, fast, educational seemed like an ideal way to help empower millennials to make positive financial decisions early in life and develop healthy money management habits. And with that in mind, the AICPA partnered with the Ad Council to launch our game yesterday's tomorrow as a freestanding digital game that you can easily access on the web at feedthepig.org.
0: Nice. And just to be clear, the game is free.
5: Uh, yes, it certainly is free. There, There's no cost. It's presented as a public service. It's the latest resource from the Feed the Pig campaign, which aims to educate and support young adults to help them develop better money habits.
0: Yeah. So walk me through the game. So somebody goes to game.feedthepig.org, and what's going to happen when they get there?
5: Well, the game asks players to consider how financial decisions they make now can impact them later in life. It encourages them to establish a relationship with a future version of themselves. So who wouldn't want to predict where they may be 40 years from now? Based on the choices they make today. Now, the main interface, when you get there on the site, is presented in the form of a photo album. And there are snapshots that represent both required decisions, like where are you going to live, and elective stories, like taking a vacation. At each stage of life, from early adulthood through a career, and leading to retirement so whether the player decides to buy a car pursue higher education career advancement travel the world or get married their decisions affect choices that they can make later in the game and it affects also their finances career social life and education and uh, what's remarkable is that as you make these choices you can quickly see the implications for your wellness In these areas, is actually a chart that shows you in real time what's happening in those key areas from the decisions that that you make. Now, where appropriate, the choices come with feedback and tips. Like, for example, there's some capsule information on alternatives for finance in college. And uh, in another section, there's some tips on keeping track of your credit score as you start to build the financial part of your life. The game only takes about 15 or 20 minutes to play. And when you wrap up, you'll see where you landed as your retirement years start to come into view. Based on the decisions you made along the way, uh, my observation was that this could be the best 15 minutes a young adult spends <laughs> in a long time.
0: Yeah, that's, it, it sounds like uh, you ever play that board game, The Game of Life? It almost oh, sounds absolutely. like you're, you know, you're spinning the spinner and you're making these decisions. I always ended up with 17 kids. I needed a second car.
5: <laughs> yeah, and and the digital uh, version that we have today uh, would would tell you a lot of things about what your future might look like, right. and if you don't like the way it turned out, you can play again.
0: Right. Well, and seventeen kids, a, a second car is the least of my worries. Then, right. I've got. <laughs> well,
5: it would have to be a pretty large second car.
0: That's that's right. Good, good point. <laughs> So what are some of the big decisions? I mean, you mentioned a lot of different decisions, but when you talk to millennials and you see millennials play the game, what? well, and not just millennials, just anybody play the game, Neil. What are some of the decisions you find people generally stumble over?
5: Well, let me give you a few examples. So you're moving from high school to secondary education. And uh, you're making a decision about how are you going to apply yourself as you're at that stage of the game. And you say, well, gee, I'm winding down. You know, I'm in the home stretch now. I've got my college application in and I really like to make things easy on myself. Or you can take some advanced placement courses that would give you a head start toward college credits. And if you make that latter decision, that can give you some runway to enrich the program that you have in college. That, in turn, can give you a competitive advantage as you enter the job market. So making that sort of a decision in the game will give you feedback on how that might play out. Uh, Another would be, how are you going to spend your summer between semesters? So you can basically hang out with friends, or you can get a job that puts some spending money in your pocket, or you can seek out some volunteer work or an internship that builds what I would call your personal brand. And if you fast forward a few years and you've done that, perhaps you bring more to the table than your competition for that first job. And I'll throw one more out there. Where are you gonna live as a young adult? Uh, You start to have an income, you start to see some pretty attractive uh, housing alternatives out there. If you choose something at the high end that's tough to afford, it'll be difficult to set aside very much for what you really might want in the long run, like, say, the down payment on a house at some point.
0: Well, I love some of these where it's not uh, just the obvious decision, you know, sometimes spending more makes sense and sometimes spending less makes sense
5: hmm There's no right or wrong per se, but having a good understanding of the long-term impact right. of the decisions you make today, uh, we think will help people make better decisions.
0: Uh, that's really cool. The, the, once again, it's game.feedthepig.org. The game is called Yesterday's Tomorrow. How, how long did it take you guys to put this together, Neil?
5: Uh, they started with the concept back in uh, mid-2016. They enlisted some uh, really top talent. As a matter of fact, there was uh, sort of a contest to figure out who had the best concept that that we could use to reach this uh, millennial audience. The uh, winning concept was this one, this particular kind of a digital game that would show you what your future looked like. Then a team of developers went to work, put together the first and second and third iterations of the game, and then uh, folks on the uh, CPA Financial Literacy Commission, including myself, critiqued what we saw, uh, went over the content to make sure that the content met all of the standards of accuracy that you'd want it to have, especially if we're giving tips or, or so forth. And the outcome of all of these uh, iterations of editing and critiquing and discussing uh, bring the game that you see today.
0: So cool. And we'll have a link to the game on our show notes at com. Neil Stern, thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes.
5: It's been my pleasure.
0: We'll have all the links at stackingbenjamins.com. All right, let's get back to our awesome discussion with Greg Lennon-Paula. Let's move on to our last piece. Uh, this comes to us from Ish. I love this piece. Eight of the most expensive selfies ever taken. And uh, I just want to focus on one of the selfies this was there's a bunch of art on pedestals, and a woman went to take a photo in front of these ten rectangular pedestals and accidentally knocked into one, <laughs> ended up ended up wrecking all of them. And it was uh, uh, how much money was this one? A uh, two hundred thousand dollars in damage. They also talk about um, a museum visitor who knocked into an infinity mirror room and, and uh, what, $800,000 in, in damage. So I'm wondering, this brings up just financial mistakes to me, right? What is a big financial mistake that you made that started off not as a big deal? Uh, at first, you didn't think it was going to be a big deal, but ended up costing you dearly. And Greg, I think I'm going to go to you first again, because I think it, it, yours might be a, a certain trip to Australia.
4: Uh, almost no, because that one I could afford to eat. What Joe was referring to is uh, a couple of years ago, the girlfriend and I decided we wanted to take a train across Australia. So we left our winter headquarters in Maui and flew to Honolulu. And then the next morning we're scheduled to fly to Australia. However, the cut rate airline that we were going to take to Sydney went belly up and they said, your flight is canceled. So, Several problems here. This was a domino effect. Number one, uh, we were going to catch a major airline, Qantas, from Sydney to Perth and then take the train back to Sydney and then fly home to uh, Hawaii a week later. However, couldn't do that when we couldn't get on the continent in the first place and begged and pleaded with the train people and said, hey, could you please uh, work with us here? They said, well, no, the thing leaves in three days. You're out of luck and th- which they were entitled to do. So this is our own damn fault for not buying trip insurance. Uh, you probably don't need to buy trip insurance unless you were uh, unless you're doing a trip that involved three different carriers and two different modes of transportation like this. And the worst part was we couldn't even go back home because we were getting the condo painted. So we ended up having to stay in a having to stay in a luxury resort on the North shore of Oahu while waiting for the paint to dry because everything in Waikiki was already taken. Uh. But in, but yeah, so I, I guess there are worse places to spend a week not going across the Australian outback than on a resort in Hawaii, <laughs> but still, and, and again, I could afford it, but the big financial mistake that I've made aside, from, I'd say getting married, but I was broken. I was married the biggest mistake I ever made and it probably cost about half as much as the aborted Australia trip was not carrying health insurance during a period of unemployment. Oh, that, that, yeah, that's, that, that's the drumstick story. Have I told that? No, I didn't. Oh, wow. Okay. Do you guys remember yeah. it? Len, Paula, you guys remember the story? No, I no but I want to hear it. All. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> well, again, didn't have health insurance and I went to a concert at the house of blues inside Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas. Slayer one of my favorite bands and at the end of the show the drummer Dave Lombardo for Slayer threw a stick into the crowd now getting a drumstick getting an actual game used drumstick is a lot different than than getting a pick anybody can pick up a pick but a drumstick that's huge he throws it into the crowd throws it right at me I catch it I start wrestling for it with these two other idiots who showed up and were grabbing the stick I say other implying that I'm an idiot so here I am I'm Picture, if you will, I'm holding the drumstick by both ends, pulling it towards me. These two other guys are pulling it in the opposite direction. Now, I have a friend who happens to work at the House of Blues. He's a bouncer, but he's probably 50 feet away from me, and there's people between me and him. So I figure if I can just pull the stick to where he is stationed as a security guard, he'll break it up, and then I can walk home with my my stick. But we never got that far. I fight these two guys off they finally gave up. All right. Fantastic. And then as they did that, and I'm a little bit off balance, this 300 pound behemoth of a woman, a crone, if you will, gets on top of me and she basically tackles me. I'm already compromised. And my, my knee, my patella just went snap. Half oh. of it went up my leg. Half of it went down my leg. And it was just, it was hanging there like wet spaghetti. Oh. So, <laughs> so and now do you want the bad news? You
2: want the bad news, Greg? What's the I'm on There's... eBay right now, and I'm looking. There are four Slayer drummer Dave Lombardo signed drumsticks on eBay. You want to know what they're going for?
4: If they're more than $3,000, sure. If if not, I don't want to know.
2: Would you believe
4: $40 or best
0: <laughs> offer? Oh.
4: <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I so, so here here I am holding the stick, and i don't I don't know if the sticks that that Len is looking at were actually used in a concert, and there'd be no, oh man. Well, so was this one. And uh, this woman who's trying to be flirtatious, plus, she just destroyed my knee, she said, "So can I have this stick?" And I called her every swear word I know, and I, I was there helpless. I was with my then girlfriend and a couple of my uh, couple of my buddies, and I could not get up and a uh, Mandalay Bay representative showed up about five seconds later, along with a couple of uh, paramedics. And I think the Mandalay Bay person was there to make sure that I, uh, d- to determine how much I'd been drinking, which was zero. Right. And if I thought about it, if I'd pushed it a little harder, I didn't even think to be dishonest to say, Oh, I, I slipped on a patch of beer or something, but they gave me a shot of something or other. One of them ripped my shirt off and they sent me to desert Springs hospital and $3,000 later came out of there. So yeah, the the most expensive drumstick ever made. And the worst part of it was my incredibly jealous then-girlfriend. Two paramedics, one a guy, one a girl. The guy who drove us to the hospital casually mentioned that the girl had appeared in a bikini in in the previous month's Maxim magazine. And while we're in the hospital, as I'm sitting there writhing in pain, my Ex-girlfriend, not my ex-girlfriend at the time, said, did you like that? Did that turn you on when she was tearing your shirt off you? <laughs> so, just, just a bad <laughs> night all around. That is horrible.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a horrible night. Beat that, Paula Pant.
3: I, I, I can't. There is. <laughs> thank God I can't beat that. <sighs> I will consider myself extremely lucky for not being able to beat that. Yeah,
0: right. Uh, How about a big financial uh, mistake like one of these uh, expensive selfies that you've done?
3: Uh, It just, well, this is nowhere near as good of a story, but uh, I'd say the biggest, the two biggest financial mistakes, uh, wow, these are incredibly boring stories in comparison. One is just being so freaking cheap that I missed out on the opportunity to make a lot of money. I, I shouldn't even say a lot of money that I missed out on the opportunity on many opportunities to make money because I spent all of my early 20s just like penny pinching to extreme unhealthy amounts. And when I look back and I think about how much of a difference it would have made if I had just made an extra five hundred dollars a month. So you wouldn't pay. Of, you're saying you wouldn't
0: pay for opportunities.
3: Not only that, I spent all of my time and mental bandwidth trying to figure out How to save on toothpaste rather than like make an extra
0: 20 bucks a week. Making all the small decisions, great.
3: Exactly. Like super sweating the small stuff and then not buying deodorant because I didn't want to spend money on it. That level of sweating the small stuff.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Did you make your own soap?
3: I did not make my own soap. I've never really been handy, which is good because otherwise I would have really spiraled into that big time.
0: I made my own soap in third grade at Ramona Park
4: Me too. <laughs> in, the, in the summer camp. It was fantastic. I'm just grateful that Paula is splurging on deodorant these days. <laughs> I, know. I know. Even over the shortwave, it, we're happy. I've had, I've, I've had dinner with Paula several times. She smells delightful. Oh, thank you. It's fantastic.
0: Either that, Greg, or she just says, great BO, great smelling BO. <laughs> you
2: sure that wasn't the shrimp
0: linguine? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh Len Penzo, how about you? You got the final word here. I'm
2: not going to I'm not going to top that. I, you, there's there's no way I can top I can't top Greg's uh, that story was epic. So I, I can't uh, It was hey, epic. Hey, but Greg, you've what got do you think something. of
4: Paul Bostaff as a drummer? Was he is he pretty good? Paul Bostaff was the guy who who replaced Dave Lombardo. He's actually replaced him twice. Dave Lombardo was the original drummer. He left in the mid-90s, and the concert that I saw, Dave Lombardo, Dave Lombardo was 10 times the drummer, Paul Bostaff is. Lombardo had just returned to the band uh, for the tour that I saw them on, so that that was kind of a thrill.
2: You had to tell the eBay uh, bidders because uh, Bostaff's drumsticks are going for twice what Lombardo's are.
4: I, that is shocking. That is seriously <laughs> shocking. That's what they're asking. Is they, is anybody actually buying them for twice
2: as much? People, this is just proof that, that everything you want on Earth is available on eBay for a price. Everything.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Slayer Drummer Podcast. <laughs> I'm see Seihi. I'll be your host. Come on, Len. You got to have a mistake. People want to hear what your what your financial I, mistake is.
2: You know what? I I say the worst thing. I one of the worst things I ever bought. It's in my top ten. I rented The Good German at Blockbuster for a buck. And it was the worst movie I've ever seen in my life <laughs> with, uh, with, uh, George Clooney. And, uh, I can't remember else who else was in it, but the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. And if you guys want to have, just, just have fun, rent the stupid movie and see how long you can watch it before you have to shut it off.
0: So you're saying your worst mistake ever was a dollar wasted at the rental box. <laughs> Is that it? Cause
2: you know what? It- I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. Yeah. You want Here, you want a, a bigger financial one? You can negotiate to a fault. Here's one I did. I bought my new house. I got an irrigation company to, to put sprinklers in my yard, and I negotiated this poor guy down so cheaply that uh, the joke was on me when it was all over because I was unaware that in order to get to the price that I insisted on paying, he used the most cheapest, shoddiest pipe yeah. uh, that you could imagine. And for the next five years... My front and back yards were constant uh, blowing up with uh, pipes bursting yep. and I was stuck to fix it. So there's a lesson that i regretted for many, many years. You know, I tried to save a thousand bucks and I'd have been much better off, uh, you know, just taking the price that the guy wanted in the beginning. It would save me a lot of headaches.
0: We were on a trip to the Northeast to take my kids to colleges to take a look their junior year of high school, and we visited a ton of schools. But on the way back, we stopped in Pittsburgh, and we're going to, we were going to Carnegie Mellon and to Pitt. And we also were going to a Pirates baseball game because I'm trying to go to all the major league parks. I've been to 14 parks. And so, uh, so it's the last day of our trip, and things got moved around a few times right at the end. And we show up at the game. We hand the guy our tickets, and our tickets won't scan. And our tickets won't scan again. And then he looks at the tickets, uh, and he hands them back to me. And our tickets were for the day before. We bought. Oh, t- I thought you were
2: gonna say. I, I thought you were gonna say they were counterfeit. No, like we bought them on StubHub, and they were counterfeit. No,
0: we bought. T- no, ours is more stupid. We don't know how to use a calendar. We bought tickets for the wrong damn day, <laughs> and then we didn't look at them. So then we have to go back and we have to buy tickets again for that day. Uh, so I double bought tickets to a Pittsburgh Pirates game. That was just absolutely moronic. So there's there's mine. All right. I think that's going to do it, guys. Let's talk about what's going on in your neck of the woods, as mom says. Greg, how about you Um, recovering nicely from your surgery?
4: Um, I actually had two more surgeries. These are on my eyes, which we'll get to next week or whenever you have me back on. So, yeah, I can't see. As soon as I can see, I'll start writing again.
0: Holy cow. And there's always a reason. (laughs) Right. Right. The, The second I get my fingers back, I will start writing again. Len, what's going on at LenPenzo.com?
2: Hey, uh, four ways to stretch your budget at uh, LenPenzo.com and at sister site, ThePersistentItch.com. <laughs> Come by and check it out.
0: Shock that you went there again. I can't believe it. Huh. Who knew? Paula Pant. What about that crazy podcast and blog called Afford Anything.
3: Oh, at the Crazy Afford Anything podcast. I am—I I delivered a three-hour-long speech at the World Domination Summit in Portland, and I am breaking that up into three different episodes, each one an hour long, and uh, those will be uh, coming out in the next several weeks. So the first hour one is long about speech. myths and limiting beliefs around money. The second one is questions, deep questions to ask yourself to figure out what you really want. And then the third kind of ties it all together and brings that in with how to grow the gap between your earnings and your spending. And this is actually audio of the speech? Uh, yes, I'm I'm recording it fresh in my podcasting booth. And by podcasting booth, I mean I'm sneaking into your mom's <laughs> basement when you're not looking, <laughs> Joe. Uh, so, yeah, I'll be recording it fresh, uh, just the audio of, of the speech. And if you want to catch the, the video of the – like if you want to see the slides, uh, I'll also be putting that on YouTube.
0: Awesome. Cool. And we'll link to all of that in the show notes at steckybegemons.com. Hey, thanks for playing, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, that's going to do it for today, everybody. Hey, uh, some stuff going on down in the basement that we'll talk about. We'll also talk about next week. I'll also introduce you to this week's game and share with you a few of the things going on with the game but before we get to that got to say a big thanks to everyone who's used our sponsor site magnify money when you are looking for better solutions with your checking account with your savings account with your credit cards etc let's do what we do every week we'll head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money doing it right now and magnify money pops up compare the best offers for let's look for savings accounts and I click Get Personalized Offers, and bam, there it is. In the past, if you remember, we had one at 1.4, which is cool, because I remember us doing this a few months ago, and everybody was just above one. Uh, Dollar Savings Direct, 1.4. 1.35 from uh, Live Oak, and uh, 1.3 from Bank Purely and CIT Bank. What's cool is I've got the transparency score All of the top three get an A on their fine print. You don't want to have a bunch of fine print that you have to wade through. As an example, PurePoint Financial with $1.25, $10,000 minimum balance and lots of fine print. Uh, Man, I can get $1.25 Salem 5 Direct with $100 minimum balance, a B when it comes to fine print and $1.25, but why do any of that when I could do dollar savings direct, A fine print, $1 minimum balance, and $1.4? No brainer there. So, see how easy that was? And it says that based on uh, the amount of savings I was going to put in, I had to get $154 more interest. Cha-ching. So, there it is. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Not just for that, but also for savings accounts, checking accounts, credit cards, auto loans, student loans, and on and on. All right. Let's talk about a couple things. Let's talk about Doug's game. Uh, We call it Doug's game because what we're going to do is during every eight weeks we play a game and in this eight weeks the game is we're looking for a movie title a real movie that's been made that is the description of of doug's life luke who won our last game luke says it was a short movie but the 1940s film the heckler seems like it could describe doug's life uh yeah luke i think you've got that one right there Our friend Sarah says, Doug is George Calamari from One Crazy Summer. Doug is One Crazy Summer, One Crazy Winter, one crazy, uh, Just One Crazy Guy. And I like what Thomas sent us. Thomas sent us a lot. Uh, Movie titles for Doug's life, The Burbs, Neighbors, Cocoon 1985, Cocoon the Return 1988. That was the thing. There actually was a sequel. I wish there was a place where I could look that up, but I'm still just going to wonder. Ernest Goes to Camp. I like that one. But he also gives us some future movie ideas about Doug's life. National Lampoon's Doug's Staycation, The Waffle House of Horrors, The Side Hustle, Uh, Cliff Clavin and his little brother Doug, Ernest Goes to (laughs) Edenism, Mr. Bean Goes to the Basement, and The Truman Show, Texarkana-style. That's fantastic. He also sent along a picture of uh, Joe Flaherty and Happy Gilmore, and he said, for some reason, this guy comes to mind when you mention Doug in a movie. Uh, great stuff. You see where we're going? So if you can think of movie titles that fit Doug, uh, that's what you do. We're going to take a few of these. And after the eight weeks are up, we'll we'll have you vote on, on your favorites. Uh, OG and I will choose who we start with. All right. That's our game. Let's talk about what's going on in the basement. A couple things. You know, we are currently in the middle of looking to fill our sponsor spots because this is Specifically, what I do all day, and we have a team of four people, we we really, really need to fill those need to fill the sponsor spots. So, if you know a company that would be a great fit for us, please send them my way, Joe at uh, We're in talks with uh, quite a few companies, but everything seems to be like it always is uh, at a logjam. Everybody is just about there, but we have an exciting new sponsor starting next week, Roofstock. I'm very excited about Roofstock. We've did a lot of due diligence uh, thinking about Roofstock. Of course, we had the guys on a few weeks ago, and already at that time, I was interested in them as a company. And uh, then I was so excited when we asked them to become a sponsor of the show that they decided to do it. So next Wednesday show, will be brought to you by Magnify Money and Roofstock. So excited to tell you more about them. We're also going to have them on our Facebook chats. And if you're around at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, take part in our Facebook live chats. We have all kinds of uh, people on. Yesterday, Paula Pant joined me for the chat. Yeah, the week before, it was uh, I was by myself. OG's been on a couple of those. So we have a lot of fun. If you can't get the video... But you have access to Twitter. Uh, Shannon, our amazing community manager, she live tweets during that time. So you can have fun hanging out with Shannon on Twitter if you've got that available but can't have the video going. All right. uh, That's it. Let's talk about next week because after a fantastic week of shows, I think next week is even actually going to be better. And thank you for everybody for the kind words on our 500th episode. It was so nice to have so many people reach out um, and congratulate us. That was fantastic. And on Monday's show, by the way, Shannon Allen, what a horror story that was, wasn't it? $50,000, almost, sent to a hacker. And if she hadn't been so diligent, uh, man, that money would have just been gone. All right, next week, you've heard this movie, The Wizard of Lies, on HBO. Four Emmy Award nominations. Well, the woman who wrote the book and who appears in the movie, Diana Enrique, she is coming down to talk to us about it. Actually, we're calling her on the shortwave, but... Regardless, uh, she is fantastic radio. And I can't wait for you to hear uh, Diana Enrique. On Wednesday, this woman, very successful freelance financial writer, Anna Davies, she saved $15,000 a year just by getting herself organized. And she's coming down to the basement to teach you how to do that on Wednesday. That's going to be exciting. On Friday of next week, Eric Robarge. You know, the top 40 under 40 advisors from Investment News, Eric Roberge is one of those people. Uh, He's a certified financial planner in Boston, and he joins our roundtable group on Friday. And we're talking to J.J. Ramberg. You've seen her talking business on MSNBC. Well, she is with a company called Gumdrop. And if you're looking at back-to-school savings, how about getting the best deals that you can find online and, at the same time, helping out a charity that you like? We're going to introduce you to that on our Friday FinTech segment next week. That's what we're packing. So, really excited. Have a fantastic
1: weekend. Go Stacks and Benjamins. Bye-bye. Special thanks to Neil Stern from the American Institute of CPAs for dropping by. For more on yesterday's Tomorrow Game or on the AICPA's Feed the Pig campaign about saving more money, head to our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Paula Pant appears courtesy of AffordAnything.com. Greg McFarlane appears courtesy of Control Your Cash. Len Penzo appears courtesy of the cryptically named LenPenzo.com. Join us on Monday when we talk to author Diana Enriquez about her hit book, The Wizard of Lies, about Bernie Madoff that's now an HBO movie starring Robert De Niro and Michelle Pfeiffer. This show was created by Joe Salcihi, produced by Richie Rutter reese and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at @sbenjaminscast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm pretty much the guy in charge of everything around here. Trust me, this well-oiled machine didn't get like this all by itself. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Little-known fact... I'm really Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and not just Joe changing his voice.
0: Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is military appreciation month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine of their military appreciation month offers and other Navy Federal offers Navy Federals insured by NCUA equal housing lender